Good afternoon, and welcome to Citizen K, a weekly current affairs program featuring in-depth interviews and perspectives. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on Citizen K. One of the most interesting things about the youth mental health field is that as youth continue to change, and as we've seen that things in our society are changing, youth mental services should also be changing at the same time alongside with it. A Queen's Health Sciences student was just named a champion of mental health for youth. Irvis Musa received a Sharon Johnston Youth Award from the Canadian Alliance on Mental Illness and Mental Health. A conversation about his work and his thoughts on the current state of mental health care in Canada coming up. But first, a fun event going on this Sunday to create an emergency fund for Queen's neuroscience students. It's a NeurRun happening here on campus at Tyndall Field. To learn more about the event and the inspiration behind it, I spoke with Dominique Hancock, the Graduate Student Representative for Fundraising and Industry Committee with the Center for Neuroscience at Queen's University. Now, what I'd like to know is I understand this this neuro run or walk is in support of the Center for Neuroscience Studies here at Queen's University. But tell me exactly where the money raised is going. So right now we're planning to have it go... um towards students. We haven't exactly uh, fine-tuned all the details for that yet, but we're hoping to kind of create a fund to help uh, support some students and student initiatives, just because it's hard to get um, funding as a student and just in general, the pandemic and inflation and all that has had a really big impact on student income. So, Oh, okay. So this will help students even with things such as tuition costs or if they need, um, will this go into like funding some projects they want to do as well? Uh, We're thinking, um, so right now we have like emergency grocery cards. So we're kind of thinking to have it go towards an emergency fund in that regard to help students out um, with like personal expenses Um, and also just for student initiatives. So if someone wants to hold their own event or do something like that, just for kind of like a student money that they can go into. Well, that is excellent. I mean, certainly, as you brought up with inflation and, and costs right now, certainly anything can certainly help, especially uh, as a student, perhaps moving away from home, you know, you've got costs of uh, not only for school, but you've also got costs, you know, of finding a place. And like you said, things like like um, essentials, like like groceries and all of that. So certainly, what, what was the um, the inspiration behind this neural walk? Um, so we wanted to have some sort of fundraising event this year and, uh, the committee kind of let me take the, the reins on this and I've planned a couple, uh, runs in the past and I thought it would be a great way to get the students involved as well as the community to come out and support our, our department. Excellent. So I understand it's going to be basically a day of fun coming up on Sunday, August 28th. I see there'll be some music, there'll be uh, some uh, some info booths. Now, now tell me a bit about these info booths. Will, will this be an opportunity maybe to, you know, in, in the spirit of neuroscience to learn more about the brain? Yeah, so we're going to have some information booths like um, signs of a concussion um, and in that regard. And we're also going to have um, some posters up from our student research or so some of the projects that students are actually uh, doing in the Center for Neuroscience Studies so we can showcase 
what these students are doing. And it kind of shows where like our money is going like towards the students. We really want to put them at the forefront of this event. Excellent. And uh, are, are you working on any projects at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, working in uh, Dr. Andrew's lab and I'm doing uh, research on stroke right now. And really what's fascinating about neuroscience is really the, the connection uh, between the brain and the body. Yeah, seriously. And it's so personable. Everyone, everyone kind of knows a little bit about neuroscience. So I think this event is a great way to showcase just a little bit more in depth what we actually do here at Queen's. Great. Now, for those who are interested in signing up, how can people get involved and, uh, and participate in this neural run? Or so we have a registration page. Uh, if you look up NeurRun online, it should come up there. It's also through our Queen Center for Neuroscience Studies website, as well as on our social media. So our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook page. We have a link to either register for the Walker Run or at the bottom of the webpage. There's also a link to donate if you are unable to participate in the event. Great. Now, in terms of, of how the fundraising process works here, it, it's, it, tell me how the money is going to be raised uh, through this. Uh, we're just collecting funds through the web page. Oh, okay. So is, is there a fee in order to register? Yeah. So there's a registration fee for uh, if you want to participate in the Walker Run, or like I said, you can just donate. Perfect. Okay. So either register to participate or if you can't attend that day, but you still want to, to give to this great cause, you can simply just make a donation right there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, where can people go to, uh, to, to donate or to register? Um, the website is neuron at eply. Um, if you just look up neuron uh, online, you should be able to find it. Okay, so if you just put in N-E-U-R-O run Queen's University, it should come up? Uh, yeah, it'd be N-E-U-R run and then, yeah, Queen's University. Or you can look up the Center for Neuroscience Studies webpage and it should be front and center on there as well. Okay, thanks for correcting there because, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was neuro or if it was N-E-U-R. Okay, so there's no O at the end of... Uh... No, it's, it's kind of like a play on neuron, like a, a neuron in like the brain. Run. Uh, <laughs> now I get it. Okay, because because it, it's a run, and and for it to sort of work phonetically, it's neuron. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Ah, okay. Thank you, because I I wanted to clarify on that. Perfect. And uh, there's the option, yes, to walk or to run. People can come individuals or as a family. I see here. So yes, just... exactly. And anyone who has young children, they can come for free. Like that's no worries. Perfect. And it all gets started uh, at 9 a.m. Sunday, August 28th, and, and it will run pretty much throughout the day? Yeah, up until 1. Perfect. And, and, uh, and for those that don't know, where is Tyndall Field? Uh, it's 142 Union Street. Mm -hmm. um, it's really close to the ARC at, on Queen's campus. Well, thank you very much for all the information. It sounds like a, a great cause, and um, it sounds like it'll be a lot of fun for everybody involved. So... Yeah, thank you so much. I really hope it, uh, <laughs> hoping it goes well. Dominique Hancock, the Graduate Student Representative for Fundraising and Industry Committee with the Center for Neuroscience at Queen's University, talking about the Run coming up this Sunday.
You are listening to Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and on podcast. I'm Kareem Mosna. Next, we speak with a fourth-year Queen's Health Sciences student who has been named a recipient of the Sharon Johnston Youth Award from the Canadian Alliance on Mental Illness and Mental Health. This is one of seven Champion of Mental Health Awards handed out by the Alliance. Through the pandemic, Musa started three projects, mainly focused on peer mentorship to incoming Queen's students. And this is certainly a uh, timely conversation to have as we enter a new school year. Let's uh, take things back to to Queen's. Uh, I understand as a student here, you started a a peer mentoring group. I believe it was called Network for You. Yeah, it's called it was called Network U. Network U. Yeah, and um, uh, so I'm, I'm just curious to sort of learn about. Um, I mean, you, I guess you already have touched on sort of you know the, talking with people and, and giving them some guidance. But why do you feel peer mentoring is so important for for in, for for new students? Well, myself, I find that I've had the luxury and the privilege of being exposed to many mentorship programs not only in university, but while I was also in middle school and in high school. And I found that this connection that I made with someone who has already been through such experiences that I was soon to embark on are actually what ensured that I was able to keep myself in check and kind of expect these challenges, kind of an upstream approach to reducing stressors before they actually become one. So Network U was a peer mentorship program, which um, myself alongside a few other health sciences students designed to assist incoming students into their first year at Queen's. And during COVID-19, which was the time that this actually began to um, start up, was when we noticed that there was a significant decline in services um, offered by Queen's University, but that only goes in hand with COVID-19 and they had to kind of assure additional assistance and resources could be thrown into things such as student safety, and areas such as that. And we kind of saw an opportunity where before these mentorship programs began up with Queens, which kind of happens closer to August and September, we kind of started this up around April, May of that year. And this was kind of to give students an understanding of what's going on because there was a lot of uncertainties at that time. And a lot of students were kind of wondering, what is the Queens environment going to be like? Um, Will I even be able to make any friends? Am I gonna be stuck in isolation if I decide to move on campus? So there was a lot of unknowns and that's where we kind of saw the talking piece and the ability of offering kind of experience as knowledge was the most valuable at that time. And I believe it was a a two week time frame and we had over 300 students within the community who were willing to volunteer their time um, to be mentors. And we had over 400 um, students coming into first year as mentees. So as we can tell, like uh, it, the demand was very high for a program like this, which means that it definitely was something that was existing. And we just kind of decided that since we all knew the benefits that kind of come with mentorship and it's, it's not even about doing exact teachings or trying to show them ways of life, but rather just just an opportunity to talk to someone who has been through something that you're about to experience. It kind of allows and offsets those stressors that are kind of in place with when you walk into to an unknown environment. So certainly sensing some themes here in the sense of, you know, when there's that unknown or someone is, is going into something, I mean, going to university alone is uh, is is for many people a, a huge transition in life. They might be leaving uh, 
you know, uh, their, their, their hometown to, to move to a new city and just going through all of that at once and, and you know, add, add the pandemic to that load. Um, so I, I guess from what I'm hearing is a, a huge part of this was basically just saying, you know, it's, it's going to be good. You know, I, I've, I've been through this and, and, and I'm here for you if, 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 if you need to chat about what you're going through. Well, it, it was it was exactly that. And um, I think the most important piece of this all was the fact that we had such a great response from the community acting as mentors, because without them, this initiative would honestly be nothing. And that the program was honestly self-sufficient after a while. And um, most of the credit should be given to the mentors for their wonderful job and their time, because during that specific time of the pandemic, a lot of uncertainties were in the air. Everyone was going through different situations, different personal circumstances. So we were just privileged and ecstatic at the fact that students had time to offer and were able to mitigate some of these stressors of students in coming to an unknown environment. Again, as you mentioned, coming from such diverse areas. So um, it, it was honestly, it was awesome to, to see the response we got from the community and the fact that everyone was just so willing to help. I mean, that that was, you know, the, the height of the pandemic when, when this all started. Uh, how do you feel about where things are going now in the sense that uh, students are, in many cases, for the first time coming back to on campus? Um, and, and how do you feel about where things are at now with, with, with regards to s- s- some of these challenges? I feel that since the time I started my university career and now, I find that there are a lot more clubs and a lot of a variety of clubs that now exist at Queens. And this is kind of an opportunity for students to number one, explore their interests, but number two, meet and kind of talk to a group of people who kind of identify similarly with their interests. So I find that that ability to connect with persons, especially during a time when students are coming around and going into an area again that they may find unknown, especially for students who kind of their first and second years were COVID bound and the online classes and in-person classes were kind of a mix. I feel that the opportunities that are available at Queens in terms of access to new persons and persons who may identify with similar interests as you are very high. And I find that um, something to be extremely important, especially when you're entering an unknown environment, I find the best way to kind of interact in an environment that's friendly and that you enjoy is by kind of looking at some of these clubs, for example, and identifying where your interest is. And there in at Queen's clubs has been honestly the main point of interest where I've met some of my closest friends. So I find that um, the type of support that is now available within the Queen's community is phenomenal. And um, I hope that it just continues to thrive as it has been. Excellent. I also understand you ran a uh, real estate or living advice for youth. Tell me about why you started this program. So when I was in the 12th grade, I started doing my Ontario real estate license uh, training. So I started off a little earlier on and finished around the beginning of second year. And I understand that student living, especially around the Queen's community, is quite lucrative. I've seen some rent prices that are skyrocketed and way beyond what they should be but students are just kind of panicking and struggling to find a house because of the lack of supply so i've had a lot of students kind of talk to me knowing that i have a real estate license just kind of asking me about landlord relationships talking about tenant contracts and i feel as if some landlords who do not have 
experience in the industry are kind of taking advantage of students in a way that they may not even recognize. So what I kind of started up to during COVID was this housing and real estate advice service, which was more of an informal type of thing, just kind of engaging in conversations with persons. And they just bring up some concerns regarding how their landlord, for example, may have entered their property without providing a 24 hour notice um, and those were some things that I kind of informed them about and I tell them they're not allowed to do that. Um, this is something that you can bring to their attention and hopefully they're more respectful going forward. And it was just essentially noticing a common theme in the Queens community and that was the taking advantage of students. And that's simply just because students were unable or did not have the resources to kind of educate themselves to the standard that's kind of needed in an industry like this. So. I kind of saw an industry where students were being taken advantage of and that didn't really sit too well with me. So I did my best as one individual who also has some additional commitments to try and get out there as much as possible. But going up into this year, I've actually been in contact with a few other students who are en route to getting their Ontario real estate salesperson certificate. So I'm hoping that we're going to be able to at least expand a little more and just answer some very simple questions that students have that I think would greatly benefit their time here at Queens. And of course, that all connects back to to mental health and and also, you know, coming into a new environment. But but in some cases, you know, it's coming in knowing um, your rights, I think, which can uh, really empower somebody. No, that is exactly it. And it's also the fact that me, myself, I understood the stress that came associated with finding a place to live after first year and the limited options that I had available and the unknowns that were kind of coming up regarding signing the contract. Do you need to do a one-year lease? Do you have to do the down payment? Are you a month-to-month tenant after you sign a one-year lease? Because that was something that has come up quite often in conversations with other students. So in terms of deciding to actually do something like this, I think it was the fact that what I try and do, at least within the Queens community, is try and understand where students have the greatest amount of stress and trying to reduce that stressor before it becomes blown up. And um, that's exactly what the purpose of the real estate advice kind of initiative was, was to just give students an easy way out of instead of spending hours on Google trying to understand the right answer. I understand you're headed to uh, Copenhagen this fall. Yes, that is correct. I'm heading to Copenhagen this fall and I'm quite excited about it. Um, The purpose of that is um, last year, actually, I did a one-year fellowship with the Frame organization. This this was a fellowship on knowledge mobilization and is essentially creating product based on a research-based area and creating a product that would be accessible and could actually be used so that the youth voice is truly being transmitted into policymaking. So what I did alongside uh, my colleague, Braden Levac, is uh, we created an evidence brief regarding the challenges that newcomer youth experience in terms of programming and supports in Canada. And I'm actually going to be presenting those findings with my colleague in Copenhagen very soon. And we're really excited to kind of take it to a international stage and have that opportunity to chat with some youth advocates and some scholars all around the world. Do you feel that, that youth really are critical to the future of, of, um, of mental health care? I think, that, uh, I think that goes without saying. I think that 
the youth voice this is something that's being very underestimated in the mental health advocacy I, I believe that youth are vital to the discussion of mental health advocacy I believe honestly that youth input is vital to all fields of advocacy um, if you want to create the most impactful services for a specific population I believe that that population should definitely be one of the key partners in terms of understanding services and programming that appeal to them. I think one of the most interesting things about the youth mental health field is that as youth continue to change, and as we've seen that things in our society are changing, youth mental services should also be changing at the same time alongside with it. And that's the thing that's so difficult, I guess, and why the change is taking a little longer than most people want it to is because the needs of youth are constantly changing. And that's something that just needs to be known. And alongside that change that youth are experiencing, that means that services should be changing in line with them. So the best type of information is primary information. And the only way to get information about the services that youth need is by being in direct contact with youth. What, what, what would you say to a youth who perhaps feels that they're not being heard, some of their, their major concerns? What, what, what would you suggest to them? Well, if they feel as if their concerns are not being answered to or they feel like they want to have a bigger part in the mental health community, I would definitely tell them to go online and start with a few Google searches. There's many organizations out there that exist that you can get involved with at a very low commitment, whether it be a focus group, whether it be a part of a committee, whether it be a fellowship, which is something that I also did. Um, it's very it's very easy to get involved as long as you know where to access. And that's, I think that's the biggest issue right now is how do we make these resources for youth available in a way that's accessible so that they even know where to reach out to. So a few organizations that I know myself bottom of my head that are phenomenal and you can get involved with very easily is Frame Organization. They have a Groundbreakers um, program. This is essentially just a program where youth can sign up and you are sent periodic newsletters of kind of what's going on in the mental health field for youth and how you can get involved. Um, I know the Foundry organization in BC, which I've done a little bit of work with, they do some work all around and they have great opportunities for youth to sit in on some committees. Um, so I would say just kind of see exactly where you want to find yourself involved with mental health. And I think the most important thing about mental health is that to get involved and to promote positive mental health. I don't think it's simply just joining clubs that are dedicated to mental health and the mental health experience. I think you can kind of get involved in a various amount of ways, such as what I was explaining earlier, which is from my perspective, I think someone's mental health can be more positive by kind of identifying stressors that would cause someone's mental health to be affected. And that's kind of what I was talking earlier in terms of real estate, in terms of mentorship, and um, in terms of a tutoring program that uh, my peers and I also started up. Excellent. And, you know, I, I know that mental health has, has become more and more of something that you see in government, you know, um, each side sort of saying, you know, uh, this should be done, that should be done. It certainly has, has risen, you know, uh, up there with major other issues like, like the economy and, and climate change. Um, do, do you think that our, our government is currently doing enough uh, to address uh, some of the mental health challenges? In terms of doing enough, I know that there is a great increase in effort, specifically in the youth mental health field as well, to kind of improve that interaction 
with youth directly and trying to get youth involved in policymaking and decision making. And something that I'm also a part of right now is the Mental Health International's Youth Advisory Committee, which is also known as Generation One Group or G1G. And the point of this group is to understand how young folks have been involved in decision making for mental health policy, and that's directly into policy. So this includes searching for large stakeholders who include youth in their models and further interviewing these stakeholders to understand the extent of how the youth voice is incorporated into professional documents to government. So from my experience in the field, I have seen great interest from the government to begin to incorporate youth in their policy making and their decision making. And youth have really become a strong stakeholder in the field. And it's only going to improve from here, I think, because these organizations that exist, such as Frame, are, are huge advocates for movements such as the Integrated Youth Service Movement and are doing all that they can to try and get the youth voice really implemented in there. And they're very strong advocates for that. And I know they have a great connection with the government. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling positive about the future. And I feel like change right now is happening so fast. And there's a new bill being passed and there's something always happening. So I'm, I'm really quite hopeful for the future. And I do hope that things continue to go that they ha the way they have been going because all I have seen is improvements. And even though it might not be as fast as some wish, it is continuing to improve and the youth voice is being heard more and more. And that's all I can really ask for right now. And just to clarify, you, we were referring there to the government of Ontario or Canada in your last Canada, answer. sorry, Canada. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm glad we clarified because I, I was, I guess part of me was thinking Ontario, but okay, this in Canada, there's a lot that's that's happening. That's great to see. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of your work is focused on uh, exercise, physical activity, and the connection to mental health. So I'm curious about some of your, if you could share some some of your findings uh, on this topic. Sure, sure. So yeah, as you said perfectly, I am a strong advocate and definitely believe that physical activity plays a vital role in not only benefiting one's physical health, but also their mental health. So some experiences with that that I've done is I've worked and I'm currently working as a physical activity coach for Get In Motion. It's essentially a program where uh, I provide telephone-based physical activity coaching for Canadian adults who identify with a physical disability. And I find that these conversations are extremely beneficial because it kind of provides them with the confidence and understanding that their progress, even though they may feel as if it is a little slow, that doesn't necessarily change the fact that they are making a positive difference in their life. And I find that that's the key concern that comes up is that my progress isn't as fast as I want it to be. And I find that the best thing that these phone calls kind of allow is an opportunity to understand that it's not like your case is specifically so different. In fact, you know, everyone is kind of going through these challenges and it's about that coaching and that ability to kind of speak with them on a personal level where they can kind of understand that, okay, this is, this is what is typical and what I should expect. And it, I shouldn't be additionally down on myself because I'm experiencing these adversities. And it's kind of just giving them that additional insight as to where they can improve and how we can improve together and kind of setting SMART goals. So goals that are actually attainable. And I found that that definitely improves with progress. I've only received positive feedback about the benefits of physical activity for persons who identify with disability. Find that uh, working specifically on personal weaknesses, because of course each person is very unique and very different and 
all type of physical activity that is kind of talked about is very individualized to each person. So I find that um, that kind of personal connection, number one, just communicating with someone about it is very special because not a lot of people can understand how difficult it is, in fact, to kind of embark on such an adventure, which is, in fact, trying to improve your quality of life. So I just find that um, that tandem and that connection between the physical realm of health and the intangible realm of health, which is mental health, is actually hand in hand. Excellent and insightful conversation with mental health champion for youth, Irvis Musa. And that's all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K was produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at Queen's University. CFRC 101.9 FM broadcasts from Kingston, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Thank you for listening. I'm Kareem Mosna.